Okay, so tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got involved in the disability community. Sure. Um, my name is Aisha Elaine Lewis, and I'm an attorney at Disability Rights Education Defense Fund. Um, I, I'm a person with disabilities myself, and I first got involved with disability at, um, activism in college when I was in student government. And we got complaints from students about um, access, accessible classrooms. And that was, I think, my first big time really um, understanding the importance of advocacy for um, people with disabilities and their, that there were mechanisms for advocating for um, ourselves and for others within our community. Um, and you know, from there, I went on from undergraduate to law school, and um, I did different kinds of civil rights litigation work, um, including disability rights, um, before I came to DREDF, and my focus became 100% disability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's, that's literally my next question, like, what... Um about your work as an attorney, I know that you focus on a variety of areas. So if you could talk a bit about that. Sure. I decided to become a lawyer because when I was young and I learned about Brown v. Board of Education, I thought it was really cool that lawyers could play a role in creating opportunity for people to live their dreams. I know education has been really important to my family um, as immigrants this country and I wanted to do that so you know that includes you know access and education access everywhere so that people can just live their full lives and pursue um, whatever it is that they're passionate or care about um, and to that end I went into civil rights law um, I spent three years at the ACLU where I worked on disability rights um, women's rights and immigration to name you. Um, I think also as a person who um, lives and exists on the intersection of many different areas of disadvantage, um, you know, growing up from a lower socioeconomic status, um, first generation American, being a black woman, I like to see how, I, I like understanding and working in areas where these things connect. Um, and there's so much about like disability rights, um, uh, racial justice, um, gender equality, um, LGBT freedom that intersects together. And I think that approaching advocacy is really best done from a holistic view and understanding of collective liberation. None of us are free until we're all free and we can only do that together. Mm -hmm. You know, my next question is, how do you go about making sure that people with dis people with disabilities have, you know, the things that they have the things that they need? Because I know I saw a video um, one time that you sh uh, shared on like marriage equality and how really this couple was struggling to, you know, find ways, you know, like if we get married, what will happen to our benefits? What will happen to, you know, that kind of thing? So if you could um, talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, is it, it's a huge problem in the disability community. 
and also for um, you know our families, our loved ones, and community, our broader communities as well, that um, people with disabilities often can't marry without risking the benefits that they need, um, whether it's the income benefits or the health care access or community supports. Unfortunately, we live in a country where to where there isn't universal health care. And for people with disabilities, a lot of the supports that you need come through these government disability programs. They come through Medicaid and access to you know Medicaid and these programs is crucial to be able to like to live and not have to be in an institution, but to be a part of your community. Unfortunately, these rules were not designed in a holistic way, and they weren't designed by people who really understood that people with disabilities are people first and have full lives. And that means everything. It means falling in love, getting married, starting families, being um, able to make your own decisions in life. And so a lot of the way the rules are designed don't reflect the fullness of who we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My, yeah. My next question is what can be done to sort of fix those issues? Because you talk a lot about the problems, you know, with marriage equality and stuff like that. So what can be done uh, to sort of really make marriage, marriage, you know, equal per, in some ways so that, you know, people can marry people with disabilities can marry each other and, and you know, live fully independent uh, lives. Uh, um, well, would it be okay if I just back up a little bit? I'd like to talk about some of the specific rules so that we could then move to solutions. Yeah, sure. So um, one of the, the most well-known penalties for marriage um, is in the SSI program. People who receive SSI, um, they have access to Medicaid and a bunch of other um, important resources. Unfortunately, um, if you're receiving SSI, if you get married to someone who's also receiving SSI, the two of you get a 25% cut in your benefits. And these are not like extravagant benefits. They're very modest. And so these cuts are making a huge difference for folks. Um, in addition, there are really strict asset limits for people with disabilities who are receiving SSI. And, you know, currently it's only $2,000 um, that you're allowed to have in SSI. And if you get married, instead of being able to have um, a $4,000 in total assets, it's only $3,000. So there's also a 25% cut in the asset limit. And you know, 3000 in assets is very limited amount of money. Um, you know, you could easily blow through that if you own a car. Um, and fortunately, if you already have a car and you marry someone else with a car, if their car is worth $4,000, that's it. That's enough to put you over the asset limits. And you lose your health care, you lose your benefits because you married someone who had a car, even if they're unemployed. Just having a car worth $4,000 is enough. It's just ridiculous. Um, the, there's also another process called spousal deeming, where if you marry someone who's not receiving SSI benefits, 
their income is sort of counted towards you, even if they don't provide you any financial support. And what that does is it reduces your um, cash benefits starting from really low levels of income. So someone, you could be married to someone who makes the federal minimum wage, about $7.50 an hour, and working full-time, and the government would say that that income that they earn is too much, um, so they're going to take away some of your benefits. And if you marry someone making um, even, you know, 40000 a year, um, which is especially in this time of inflation, not very much to support a family of two, um, the government would say that that person is rich enough making 40000 a year to support you and your health care benefits would be taken your your SSI benefits will be completely taken um and that's just not realistic for people who have complex medical needs who rely on their health care to live who rely on support services to be able to live in the community and not in an institution um in addition SSI um has rules that say that if the social security administration thinks that you're getting, that you're pretending to be married, they can still put you subject to those rules. So what that means is a lot of folks end up hiding their relationships, not posting on social media, um, not sharing their love story for fear that they might get their benefits taken away if they're looked at pretending to be married. Another big um, area where people with disabilities face marriage barriers is with the Disabled Adult Child DAC SSDI benefit. And even though it says adult child, um, everyone receiving DAC is an adult. They're not a child. They're, what they are is the child of a person who is retired, deceased, or disabled um, who can collect Social Security. And they get a secondary benefit as they're disabled child who is an adult um but the way the rules work is if you get married your benefits are cut completely and they're cut permanently so even if you're married for a day and your spouse passes you can't get those benefits back now there are some limited exceptions you could marry someone else who's receiving DAC who's disabled or you know you could marry someone who's receiving retirement benefits and if you're 21 years old, most 21-year-olds are not marrying people 65 and older. Um, and so it's, so as a practical matter, it really limits the people who you're able to marry um, in order to keep the health care benefits that you need and, um, you know, the stipends. Another important thing to note, I know this is like a lot of different details, um, these are really complicated rules. But another important thing to note is that for both SSI and DAC, people who get those benefits based on disability are people who the government has said their specific disability, their specific condition is serious enough um, or seriously interferes with their ability to work to the point where they can't engage in substantial gainful employment. So Plenty of people with disabilities have jobs. Um, you know, we're out and able to work. But for the specific subgroup of people who can't work a substantial gainful employment level, 
it's not possible for them to go out and make more money to cover the loss of these benefits. The benefits are needed because they're not able to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that 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 part I I did not know. It's 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 fat. It's really insightful information. Given that you've listed those things, like um, you know, like what can be done to sort of, I know there that that you've listed a lot of lim limits that people with SSI have in terms of getting married each other getting married with each other excuse me but like how do you sort of thread that needle of um because it's kind of hard for people with disabilities to sort of thread that needle of like um if i marry someone i lose my be benefits so what can be done in in that um in order for people with disabilities to you know live you know live um prosperous lives because I know there's a lot of practical stuff but like what's sort of the what do I want to say um light at the end of the tunnel so to speak I don't know it's I'm blanking out I'm blanking out but does that make sense mm -hmm. um there's definitely lights at the end of the tunnel um this is, this is an issue that's been very important to the disability community for a long time and there are several bills that are going to be introduced or reintroduced soon that would change a lot of these problems. For example, the SSI Savings Penalty Elimination Act would increase those limits so that people were able to save more money um, without losing their benefits. And because you know, raising the limits would also make it not as easy for people to get tripped up when they get married. Um, another, another thing, um, the disabled, the Marriage Equality for Disabled Adults Act is about to be reintroduced by Congressman Panetta, and that bill would be a comprehensive fix for people receiving DAC, um, but it would also provide fixes for SSI, most notably, um, it would end the holding out rule, so people who receive SSI wouldn't have to hide their relationships. They wouldn't have to worry about the Social Security Administration um, saying, you're pretending to be married, we're gonna cut your benefits now. It just becomes at least one less thing to worry about. So as long as they're not legally married, they can identify that they have a partner, they can live together, they can post on social media without fear. Um, another, thing, you know, practically that people can do is call their members of Congress and ask for them to support the bills when they're reintroduced. People at Congress really care when their constituents call them. Uh, you or I could call and talk about the issue with them, but there's nothing like a person who actually lives in their district calling, having their families call, and expressing how important this issue is for them. Um, folks can also reach out to us at DREDF. We're helping people share their stories with media, with legislators, with the public um, to help show how important this issue is and how it affects people in different ways. Um, we, we talked about the financial practical aspects, um, but it's also an issue of um, religious freedom for a lot of people. 
Uh, they have religious beliefs around religious or spiritual beliefs around marriage and not being able to marry um, is really difficult for those um, for those reasons. There are also folks who have immigration implications for not being able to marry. And um, it, there's also sort of the idea of like feeling included in society or feeling like an outcast because they, they're not married. Um, I, I, I don't personally, um, you know, receive benefits. So it's not like an exact issue, but I know what it's like to get those questions of when are you going to get married? Are you married? Um, you know, especially, you know, as we get a little bit older. And so for a lot of people hearing those questions over and over again, it's, it's hard mm -hmm. to having to have to explain every holiday when you see family, why you're not married. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's the societal expectation that, you know, when are you going to get married? When are you going to do this? And yeah, so it's a lot of uh, different factors that, that compound into marriage. If I could move on to my last question, like, how can advocating for people with disabilities from a marriage equality um, perspective, you know, make a difference in, 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 the, in their lives? I think um, just the act of advocating uh, for ourselves and for our communities is really powerful um, for people to know that like we have power, we can stand up for ourselves, we can help create the world that um, we would love to see. I think that it's really important to, to know that we have communities that are committed to working together for these things. Um, I also think that it's important, you know, as a society, we merit, we value marriage equality. We value the rights, um, you know, there's a fundamental right to marry, um, you know, have children, to live with your family. And protecting that right protects it not just for people with disabilities, but it protects it for everyone. And so I think that promoting marriage equality um, and making sure that it includes marriage equality for people with disabilities makes our country stronger and helps us live more true to our values as a nation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's true. 